didn't see the other side. I saw that moment. But he saw the big picture. I wouldn't say it's a controversial story, but every time I tell the story to people, they're kind of like, you know, they kind of give me the big eyes. Um, and I go back to Wes, he's sitting down. He's like, is everything fine? And I'm like, yeah. She said everything was fine. Besides the like brain tumor that I have. Welcome into the very first episode of the 20 Plus Podcast. My name is Logan. I am the pastor of our 20 Plus Ministry, which is our young adult ministry here at River Valley Church in the Twin Cities area of Minnesota. Super excited that you're tuning in with us. The excerpts that you just heard are from what we call culture combos. And culture combos are a time where we come together as regions. River Valley is a multi-site church. Um, and we come together as regions for conversations around certain topics. The first topic that we had was doubt, insecurity, and comparison, something that's so relevant to all of us. And um, you'll be hearing from excerpts from three different locations. First, we'll be hearing from Pastor Ryan Williams. Pastor Ryan is our worship pastor over all of River Valley Worship. River Valley Worship travels all throughout the country, uh, leading worship as well as writing songs and producing albums. We actually have an album coming out March 6th of 2020, so super excited for that. Next, you'll be hearing from Kelly Lee. Kelly is a youth pastor at our Crosstown location. She'll be sharing part of her story. And last but not least, we'll be hearing from Bethany and Wes Schrock. Bethany is a creative and photographer and has an amazing testimony of some difficult times that she's been going through along with her husband, Wes, who's a worship leader at our St. Paul campus as well as a songwriter for River Valley Worship. Um, you can stay in touch with us on Instagram at 20plusmn or head to our YouTube channel as well. But I'd encourage you to lean in, uh, listen, whether you're driving, just listening in class, or wherever you're at, you're going to find something out of this. So let's jump right in and head to the interview I had with Pastor Ryan Williams. So, I mean, looking back then, 2009, and then, you know, 10 years later, I mean, obviously hindsight is 2020. We talk about that. Oh, yeah, I, I, you can look back on it. But, like, at the time that that is starting, what's going through your head? Like, did you dream about what's happening today? Or were you like, is this like, you didn't even think about this or like talk to us about like while you're in the moment of like we could maybe write songs we could maybe produce albums we could maybe I mean somebody might want us to sing at their church you know and it's like where we're at where we're at now like how what were you thinking 10 years ago that's the thing about dreams right God gives you a dream or even better when we're, we're all in community together and we see someone else's dream happen in front of us right someone else's dream comes to pass and that's all that we see. We just see the celebration. We see the after party. We see the confetti. Poof. Cue the confetti. I'm working on a song called Cue the Confetti. I don't think it's a church song, but, but I am working on a song called Cue the Confetti. Um, that's all we see. We see that moment. But we got to realize that a dream, there's a timeline behind a dream. And I think of, I'll get to the River Valley Worship the dreams and stuff, but I think of a dream that was put in my heart when I was 10 years old, which was to write songs for other, you know, for other Christian artists, for other um, worship leaders. And uh, that dream didn't happen. I got that dream put in my, it was a seed in my heart when I was 10, and it came true when I was 30. That's 20 years. And if you want to get real, um, real authentic and vulnerable, that whole... There's so many points along that 20-year timeline where I was like, I'm done. This is so dumb. 
this is not going to happen. This, this disappointment, this discouragement, uh, this breakdown, this, uh, all of it. So many times where I said, this is not going to happen. But all along the way, God's using different circumstances and different seasons. And then all of a sudden, the timeline of your dream arrives. And so with River Valley Worship and the idea of it growing into what it is now, um, I definitely had those dreams when I was a kid. Um, but it, when it was time to launch something like, like we did in 2009, 2010, there's just something about it where we just knew, okay, these things take time, so we're just going to put our head down and we're going to try to do the best that we can and commit it to the Lord and then see what happens. And that was kind of our baseline spirit as a team. And uh, um, still giving kind of a general story, that's, it's just continued ever since, year after year. Yeah, jumping back to you know, 10 to 30, obviously you could probably pinpoint a lot of them, but like, you, you, you talk about those moments where you're like, I'm done, it's over, my dream's not gonna come true. You know, you're doubting maybe yourself, you're doubting God, you're doubting other people who maybe promised stuff that you know, they didn't come through on, stuff that a lot of us deal with. Was there a moment in there that you felt like you had a moment where you were on the, on the brink and like felt like there was a key moment in your life that changed that? Or was there maybe one that, maybe it wasn't the one, but it was a big one that you can remember where you went from, you know, maybe believing the lie that the devil tells us that like, you don't deserve this, you know, and like, who, why you, why just a dude from Michigan, like, it doesn't make any sense for you to, you know, be on a stage and for you to build a worship team and for you to write albums. Was there ever a point where you felt like, it was all coming down, or you felt like God speak to you, a, a promise, or anything jump out? Yeah, and this is, um, I wouldn't say it's a controversial story, but every time I tell the story to people, they're kind of like, you know, they kind of give me the big eyes. And, it's uh, culture combos, <laughs> it's that's what this combo. is. <laughs> One of the really key moments, which, you know, people will come to me all the time and they'll ask me, like, what is your plan for the next five years of your life? I'm 35. Um, it's very sad to me. I'm 35, and uh, people are like, well, you know, what do you want to be doing when you're 40? You know, what do you want to be doing when you're 38? What do you want to be doing when you're 45? And um, when, I was, when I was 18, 19, 24, 25, I was really good at making plans, and I was really good at dreaming. I was really great at it. And uh, there was a moment that, def that just it totally flipped my mindset about planning and dreaming, which is this story that has a lot to do with church, I was probably, it was probably year seven of me being at River Valley, and I was working underneath um, someone else as kind of the associate, I was like the associate uh, worship pastor. And I worked for a guy who was really awesome, and I have a great relationship, to, great relationship uh, with him to this day, his name is Jeff Kerr, and he was the lead creative guy at the church. Great guy, really, really talented. Um, him and his wife, amazing couple, and they, they were at the church for eight years, which seemed like a long time at the time. Um, and they just did amazing things. And uh, one of my goals, the reason that I was at River Valley for those first seven, eight years was to serve Pastor Rob and then serve Jeff, serve his vision, serve what he wanted to do with the worship department. And um, I didn't have any more kind of dreams of grandeur other than I'm just going to serve these guys, you know. 
But God was doing things in my heart. God had made me a certain way with certain dreams and plans, like I said. And my wife and I had prayed, and we had talked, and we would fasted, and we felt like it was time for us to move on. And, you know, if you've ever come across a decision like that, it's one thing to think about it and pray about it, and then there's just that moment where you feel like it's time, it's time to pull the trigger. This is crazy, but it just feels like it's the right time. So I woke up one morning, and I, I went into the office that day at River Valley Church in Apple Valley, and I was, went to go look for my boss, Jeff, to, um, to let him know, hey, I think this is the time for me to, to resign. So we need to talk about what that looks like. And just as I was going into his office to find Jeff, Jeff was not there. Jeff was walking out of uh, Pastor Rob's office, and Jeff had just resigned. And it just, it blew up the plan <laughs> because... He got to it first. He got to it first, yeah. God got to the plan. And uh, instead of me sitting down in front of Jeff and saying, hey, this is my time to, to leave. Thank you so much for this amazing ride. Jeff was walking out of Pastor Rob's office, and Pastor Rob grabbed me and pulled me in right after and told me what had happened and said, hey, we want you to think about you know, essentially taking Jeff's spot, but as we had more conversations, realized I couldn't. Talk about comparison. There's nothing that I could do to, to replicate or copy what Jeff did. If I'm going to lead this, this is how it's going to have to be, because this is who I am. And so long story short, fast forward, my wife and I were ready to peace out with a great attitude. We just thought it was the right time for us to leave. And God said, eh, you're good. You're, you're going to stay. Did you tell him you were about to resign in that meeting? <laughs> no. <laughs> Probably no wise. <laughs> no, I didn't. Wow. Crazy. Literally, you're about to walk out the door. Yeah, but the last 10 years, 11 years of my ministry career has been mind-blowing. Doing things, being a part of things I never thought I'd ever, 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 ever be a part of. And um, I was about to walk out on all of it. Never experienced any of it. Wow. So that's why I say to people, I don't plan. I don't plan anymore. Because every time I've had a big idea of what I should be doing for the next few years, God just said, yeah, you're, you're just going to come over here. I'll fix that for you. I, I obviously don't want to speak on behalf of God, never do that, or on, on you. But it almost seems like maybe God was waiting for you to be willing to walk away in order to give you the keys to, you know, a, a, a ministry, you know. It's a, a key mindset that I have every single day that I do ministry is, you have to love this stuff so passionately like, that you would die for it. But at the same time, if it was taken away from you, you could walk away from it and not bat an eye. And that's a really, really disorienting place to say, like, oh, I could do that. I could really love something with my whole heart. But if it was taken away from me in a moment, I could walk away and know that God's in control. We don't like being in that gray area. We like being in the black or the white. I love this. This is my passion, and I'm going to stay here till I die. Or, I hate this. I don't need to be a part of this anymore. Good riddance. But a lot of times, God is in, God is in the gray area. God is in the place. He's in the uncomfortable places, that's for sure. He calls us to stand, to live, to pray in the uncomfortable places. And so, I, I recite that to myself almost every single day for the last 13 years. God, I love the call that you have in my life. I love the place that you've 
uh, planted me and, and, and put me. But if you have a greater plan or a bigger plan, if you need to derail or deconstruct or destroy what's happening here and get me out of here for whatever reason, I'll be okay with that. That's a, that's a challenge, but wow. I think it's needed. It's amazing. It's, it, something that I think about is like we always... I don't know, I feel like we always run into ourselves a little bit. Like when we're on the journey, we just have all these plans and have all these things for our future. And um, I think one of the toughest places to be is when God is not clearly giving you an answer, like you said, the black and white. And it's like, I feel like a lot of times when we talk about doubt, a lot of times it's because we're looking for something. We're looking for an answer. And when God doesn't give you a clear answer, it can be so hard. And I find for me, like, the, the worst moments are when I feel like God is speaking clearly, but he's not giving me an answer. And like, what I mean is like, I've had times in my life where God will say, you choose. Yeah. And you're like, 100%. okay, I'm hearing God clearly, but it's not what I wanted to hear. Yeah. And he's like, well, what about, what if they're both good opportunities? Yeah. Or what if they're both good jobs? Or what if they're both bad jobs? Or what if they're both bad relationships? And he's like, I've given you the wisdom to make the decision so why don't you just pick one, and then I'll bless it, and, and you let me do what I do, but that's so, so hard, and um, I, I mean, you know, from you having that moment where you were willing to walk away, or having the moments where you were willing to step in and write, it's like, you have to sometimes get, get through your, your own head, and get through your own thoughts, and like, do you ever feel like you get, you struggle with that, or there's ways where you beat that, or like, yeah, I mean, does that resonate? I was a I just finished a book the other day uh, called Hearing God by our friend Nathan Finocchio. And he has this <clears throat> chapter in the book where he talks about, he's kind of talking about the mind, the battlefield of the mind. He's talking about spiritual warfare. And without a shadow of a doubt, I'm a firm believer, just like the Bible said, that there, we, don't, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against the unseen, things that are happening in the spiritual realm. Um, but he was talking about the concept of the devil. To his, he, he teaches a, like a college course he has in the past to uh, Hillsong uh, members. And he says, he said he was telling his students on one particular night, you know, the devil probably doesn't know most of your names. You know, we assign so much power to the devil. We assign, you know, again, it makes more sense in our minds sometimes to ha- say the ultimate hero of the story, Jesus, and the ultimate villain of the story, the devil. And we kind of assign them the same level of power? That's not right. No, God is um, all-knowing and all-present. The devil's not all-knowing. He's not all-present. So, you know, for years and years, I'm a person who is in their head all the time and who has had their battles with anxiety and worry and doubt and fear. And and I would, I'd be having these battles in my, my inner dialogue, and I'd be like, man, the Devil's really attacking me. The devil, devil's not attacking me. The devil doesn't know my thoughts. He's not that powerful. Which is a side thought. You know, when I do start to speak some of that stuff out, then that gives opportunity for the devil to to latch onto what I'm, maybe I'm struggling with. But anybody who's dealing with anxiety or worry or kind of the battlefield of the mind, it actually just brought me a lot of solace, a lot of peace to know, like, oh, this is just me. This is just my emotion my feeling. This isn't the, the gates of hell storming my mind, taking over my thoughts, and there's, no. I can take this, lay it at the foot of the cross. This is just a feeling, an emotion, a thought, and I can move on with my life. 
Um, so that's kind of a breakthrough moment for me. Yeah. The devil doesn't have the same power that, that God does. So don't assign him that. Wow. That's so good. You mentioned speaking it out, and I think that's something that um, we become victim to a lot in the area of comparison. You know, how that's usually what comes out of our mouth, whether it be with your friend who you feel it's safe to talk about, and we think that we're just, you know, talking about things, but really it's gossip, you know, or, or maybe there's people that we're like super proud of, but there's, you know, something we were talking earlier about. It's like the Lord looks at our heart, and it's like, how, how have you dealt with comparison? I think in both sides of it, because we talked about this a little bit in our life groups, but there's two sides of comparison and you compare yourself to people that you look up to, but then you also, you know, the, the devil is going to tell you, you, you can't be like them. But then you also compare yourself to people who are not as far along. And, and it's like, it's, they're both bad, you know, but how have you dealt with as River Valley worship has become more well-known, as you've become more well-known, as your songs are sung in more places, how do you balance both sides of those comparisons? Because you, know, you can always look at the, the better worship team or the more albums. And I mean, that's just in the church world. That's not even comparing to people who you say, well, what if God called me? You know, I know for a time you thought maybe that being kind of an artist outside of the church world, how have you dealt with comparison? I know that's a, a big, broad question, but like as you've grown back where you were, solo artist, worship team, Ryan Williams getting the credit, Ryan not getting the credit. What has that journey been like? Uh, I love this quote about comparison. So, you know, the, the quickest way to kill something or destroy something is to compare it to something else. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so if that's your dream, your call, if you want to kill that thing, just compare it to something else. Right. Job done. You're destroyed. And I, I knew going into this uh, amazing night that I, I didn't I didn't want to. Um, I didn't want to come across like a 35-year-old old man, and like start harping on uh, like Instagram for 10 minutes. So I'm not going to do that because I I like Instagram, even though I'm never on it because it hurts my soul. <laughs> um, but I think he's got to know yourself, and uh, you picked a great guy to talk about this stuff because doubt, insecurity. Comparison. I also said I wasn't going to harp on uh, the Enneagram stuff, so I won't. But I am an Enneagram 4, and like the arch nemesis sin of an Enneagram 4 is comparison, jealousy, envy, that everyone else has something that you're missing. Like the tragic, uh, the tragic premise of an Enneagram 4 is that everyone else has the missing piece that you don't have, you know? You, live, you walk around your life living that way. And so for me, through all the years of trying to build something that God's called you to build on his timeline, not your own or not how you think it should go or how fast or how slow, I, there have just been times where it's just good for me to spend more time, sounds so like ultra spiritual, praying and fasting. It's better for me to spend more time doing that than Instagram or when it was Facebook, it was Facebook. When it was, <laughs> when it was Twitter, it was Twitter. I'm going to go way back now. When it was MySpace, it was MySpace. You know, it's all the same type of thing. Like, we're all publishers now. We're all creators showing our work, showing our lives at all times, and then waiting to see what everyone thinks of it. 
There are just real definite times, or just a real definite, tangible part of my journey where I just, I shut that stuff off. You know, getting into specifics when it's time to write a bunch of new songs for the church. It's just good for me not to listen to a bunch of other music, not just church music, but any other music, because I just know myself. Because I'll hear a random, I'll hear a random Halsey song and be like, that's the best song I've ever heard in my life. I'm never going to write another song ever again. This is dumb. I'm going to bed. <laughs> I just know myself. So I don't listen to a lot of music during that time period. I don't, I don't go on Instagram during that time period because I, because I just love Joel Houston so much and I can't watch him play in front of a billion people again, you know? And I use that as an extreme example. That's the type of things that the enemy will use to destroy your dream and destroy your call. We got to realize that the kingdom of God is not always built on big platforms and big stages and sold out arenas and, and how many albums you sell. And I'm just using music as the example. This can play out in any profession or call that you have upon your life. How many people love me? How many people know me? How many people recognize me? How, how much money do I make? What, uh, what kind of car do I drive? What neighborhood do I live in? The kingdom of God, the economy of the kingdom of God is just totally different. We don't understand sometimes the butterfly effect of grace, the butterfly effect of the kingdom of God where I tell, I tell our teams all the time when we go travel and we do big events, we could be sent to that arena to talk to that one security guard in the back hallway. And that's the only reason that we've been sent there. You know, so don't ever look, overlook the one person as you're walking out to a, a stadium full of 10,000 people. This is not how the kingdom of God works. And the more that I've come to grips with that, that the kingdom of God is, is built in the big things, but it's definitely built in the small things as well. The more that I've come to grips with that, the easier it's been to say, hey, I can celebrate 1,000% what well, well, Hillsong United did the other day, because they're just building the kingdom of God a certain way. And I love that so-and-so church in Burnsville just wrote their first song. And look what God's doing with that song in their church. And then, wow, look what God's doing with River Valley Worship. The kingdom of God is a big, vast place of opportunity. And so we can't look at it and say, oh, there's only one way to be successful. So awesome to hear part of that interview with Pastor Ryan. If you want to hear the whole interview, you can head to our YouTube channel, uh, 20 Plus on YouTube. Now let's jump over to our West Side region where we get to hear from Pastor Kelly Lee. Sometimes we're called into dark places and to be that light. But I also will tell you this, never stay at a job because of money. If I've learned anything, money is so temporary. And it's so... It's, we're so fixated on like, well, it's good money, it's good money. But if you're literally giving away your soul to this job and it's wearing you out and you're coming home every day and it's de- like separating you from your relationship with God, then I would say that's not worth it. Now, if you, if you really believe like, I think that there are times where God gives us the strength to evangelize in those places. But when you come home every day and you say, okay, I'm gonna, I, I have the energy, I'm going to spend time with the Lord, or are you coming home and you're like, I'm so depleted that I just need to lay here and watch what's on TV. And I think like, if it's affecting your overall health, then don't stay because of money. Jobs are so temporary. Like, yes, you guys, jobs are important and money, we need money to live. But at the end of the day, like, that's not what satisfies your soul. And if it's literally wearing you away, 
then I would encourage you to spend, to pray, to fast even maybe for a few days and really pray about it and wait. But you're not meant to feel that frustration and that pent up anger. Like you're not meant to feel that. God didn't create us to feel anger when we're with an environment. And I can't make that decision for you and I can't give you the perfect answer. But what I will say is if it's affecting your everyday life and how you are with the people around you who do love you and how you respond to them, then I think you need to take a step back and see if it's really worth giving that much of yourself away. Yeah, advice I got one time, and this has stuck with me forever, is don't ask for advice from someone who's not praying for you. And so, like, so often we go to all these people and ask for advice, but they aren't praying for us. They, they, don't, they aren't, like, spending the time to actually, like, care about our walk with God. They may be super wise people of God. That doesn't discount them. But just being transparent, like, one of them was actually my brother who I'm super close with. And he even said to me afterwards, he was like, gosh, I just thought it was a bad idea because it was like your first four months of marriage and I thought it'd be super straining. But the reality is, is like, even though he hears from the Lord, like, it doesn't mean that he's always right either. Like, I have to seek that voice for myself. And so I think it's good to have a tight circle in the sense of like who you take mentorship from. And I have a mentor in my life who's actually... Her husband is a pastor, and she's not a part of River Valley, but she brings so much insight and clarity to me because she's kind of a separate outside look of, like, she can pour into my life, and it's not so internal. And so I think it's good to take advice from family members, but you need someone who's, like, outside of that and who can speak into your life from a different angle because a lot of times what I've learned is family members will tell you what they think is, like, best for you, but they don't always actually know what's best for you. They're thinking through the lens of if I was making this decision, this is what I would do. Because they've been through years of marriage or they've been through hard decisions. And so, yeah, I think it's important to have at least one person who can speak into your life and pour into you, but also realize that sometimes the people you're closest with won't give you the advice that's best for you. I was praying today and I was like, Lord, what do you want to say about insecurity and doubt? And something I just felt like is so important is insecurity takes away from God's plan and creates our own plan because we're not secure in who God says he is. So we think like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to do what I think is best. And we need to be so secure in who Jesus is because his plans are so much bigger. And when he moved me to South Dakota, I didn't see the other side. I saw that moment. But he saw the big picture. He saw what that was going to do with my relationship with him with my relationship with my husband, with my relationship with my family. And so remember that when insecurity starts to come, you don't, you don't have to take it on. Like you can say, I am secure in Christ. I'm fearfully and wonderfully, wonderfully made and I have a purpose. And I don't need to take on this insecurity because I'm secure in who God's made me and his plans are so much bigger than mine. And just one more thing was, I think doubt comes when we forget all God's done for us. And when we remember what God's done for us, it's really hard to doubt him. Because if I look back on the last year of my life, I don't know how I could doubt his faithfulness and his goodness because he saw me in my living room when I was by myself crying out to him that I was lonely, crying out to him like, Lord, why are we here? He saw that and he said, just trust me. Just trust me. Look how far I've brought you. Remember where you were a few years ago, but look where you are now. 
And so when you start to doubt God, remember what he's done in your life. Remember all the things that he's brought you through. And don't let that lie come in of he's not faithful because he is so faithful. And he sees every single one of you. And he's not going to let you fall and he's not going to let you down. And I know that from my own life. Wow, Kelly was preaching. I don't know if you felt that, but I certainly did needed that. That's amazing. Now let's head over to our last location, which is our city location with Wes and Bethany Schrock. I know you're going to get something out of this, so make sure to lean in and listen well. So a year into marriage, we um, got an opportunity to go overseas to the Middle East for like a month and a half. Yeah, go ahead. Um, It was like on our bucket list that we wanted to travel to a few countries in one trip. So we just started telling people about it. We would just always bring it up in conversations. Like, yeah, before we die, it's on our bucket list. And we just happened to say it to the right couple at the right dinner at the right time. And the next day we got an email saying, from Live Dead, saying, hey, we heard that you're interested in doing this. Bethany, would you take pictures? And Wes, would you lead worship for these different missionaries? So key takeaway Talk about your dreams to people. Like, you don't know who's going to hear it. You don't know what, like, have a few things on your bucket list and just say things because you don't know who's going to hear it. Okay. It also holds you accountable. Once it's in the atmosphere, like, like you got to do it now, you know? So it holds you accountable and you never know who's in the room that can make those things happen. Um, But, yeah, so we got the email and... um, and I was in a transition at River Valley at the time. I was at our miniaturistic campus leading worship and about to um, jump over to the Apple Valley campus. Um, and um, Pastor Rob was gracious enough to let us go for a month to the Middle East and just serve missionaries. Um, so we went to like five different countries. And Bethany took photos of missionary families, just like family portraits, stuff that they don't really think about or like don't have the money for um and then i did worship nights in each um city in the middle east which was amazing like it felt straight out of the book of acts like these these people are on the ground telling people about jesus who have never heard before and these are like prayer meetings um for those types of moments and it was so impactful um to like see what god's doing um in these countries that don't have access um, so if you've never been on a global team before, please do it. Like, do it. It'll change your perspective. It's not about what you're going to bring to them, but it's about what God's going to do in you when you go. Um, and it totally shifts your perspective, and you live differently. You can't help but live differently. Um, and so we did that, and it was amazing, and came back from that trip, um, and I went right into um, writing with the team for Million Lifetimes, which was an album that we came out with a while ago. Um, and I'd say we were back from the Middle East about a month yeah, or so, weeks. two or three weeks. And then do you want to share? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so got back from that trip, and it was like May. And so I'm a photographer, and so back into crazy busy season of you know weddings and everything like that. Um, and, uh, um, yeah, super high, just like super excited about everything that we just did. Everything's great. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We're such great Christians. Just went on this trip. Yeah. God, we're so, 
We in never my, said that. Deep, in your head? Deep down deep in my down. head, I probably thought that, if we're going to cool. be real here. Um, anyways, so um, I was at my studio in Minneapolis, and I was editing photos, and um, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, my left hand like started to kind of cramp up, and it kind of felt like, you know when you're outside in winter, and you come inside, and your bone kind of feels like it's aching because it's so cold? Like, my bone just felt, like, aching. I'm like, oh, that's so annoying. I'm trying to get stuff done. And so keep on working, and it keeps on hurting. And so kind of growing up, I was kind of the sick kid. Like, I got – I don't know if anyone knows what shingles is. It's what, like, old people get. Yeah. Um, And so, like, I had, like, shingles three times growing up, starting at the age of seven. And so I just thought, maybe I have shingles again. I don't know. And so, <laughs> um, so okay, I'll just go to urgent care. I'll get some medicine so then I can move on. I've got a biz- busy schedule. So I call Wes. I get in the car, and I couldn't even hold the steering wheel because, like, my arm was so weak that, like, holding the steering wheel was so hard for me. And, like, Wes is so sweet and was like, well, I can meet you there. And I'm like, no, that's so inconvenient. I'll just see you at home. He meets me there. So go to urgent care, um, tell them my symptoms, they take blood, and then they get an MRI to make sure that I don't have, like, a pinched nerve or something, which seems, like, so weak because, like, wow, I should just go to a chiropractor and get adjusted. Um, So then I get an MRI, and on my way back from the MRI, the the MRI technician is like, well, do you want to wait for the, uh, the urgent care doctor to give you a call or do you want to just wait for the results in the waiting room? And I'm like, oh, they can just give me a call and that'll be fine. They're like, or or you could just wait in the waiting room, you know? I'm like, nah, they can just give me a call. It's fine. I want to get home. It's like 6 p.m. I want to get dinner. And they're like, you know what? We'll just have you wait in the waiting room. I'm like, <laughs> I'm really fine. Thank you so much. Probably in my, like, Chipotle irritated voice. Um, and so... <laughs> We had to wait in the waiting room. Wes and I are there. And uh, front desk nurse calls me up. And they hand me the phone. And they slide me a piece of paper and a pen. Take the phone. The, the piece of paper and the pen. And answer the phone. And they're like, hi, Bethany. This is the urgent care doctor. Da, da, da. Um, well, everything looks good. You have no pinched nerve or anything like that. Great. Well, everything looks fine besides the um, tumor that you have on your brain. It looks like a meningioma on your middle cranial fossa, and you're going to need brain surgery, da-da-da-da-da. And all of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, what? She goes, oh, you didn't know that you had a brain tumor? And I'm like, oh, no, I didn't. And so she was like, okay, so it's a meningioma, da-da-da. And she started saying all these words, and, like, my dyslexic self cannot spell these words at all. So I'm, like, chicken scratching these things down. And she gives me all this information, telling me that a neurosurgeon's going to be reaching out and I'm going to need brain surgery. But she's, like, so nonchalant, I'm trying not to be, like, dramatic. So I'm like, okay, cool. So get off the phone. I asked the front desk lady if she could Google these words for me because I know I'm going to want to Google them later, obviously. Um, and I go back to Wes, who's sitting down. He's like, is everything fine? And I'm like, yeah. She said everything was fine besides the like brain tumor that I have. And so it was like kind of I didn't know how, how to feel. 
And then the next day, so then, you know, I go home. And then the next day, the whole, my whole left arm was like frozen and I couldn't move it. And then I randomly passed out three times. And so then went back to the urgent care. But I'm, I'm just like at home, I'm, you know, and I'm still getting emails from clients, you know. And then the next day, I ended up getting hospitalized. And then I got spinal taps. And then I ended up having random seizures that weren't getting explained by hospital staff. And then the next day, I was um, admitted to the hospital. And I was there for the next week. And it was a Tuesday. And I was trying to figure out how I could get out of the hospital because I was supposed to shoot a wedding on that Friday. And I didn't know how to get out of the hospital. And my friends are looking at me like, Bethany, you're insane. But I'm like, but I'm supposed to shoot a wedding on Friday. What am I, I, I have to follow through on my commitments. Like, what am I going to do? But I had no diagnosis, so. So I kind of, like, began this whole, the next two years of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dang, you guys went from feeling really awesome to, like, really scared in, like, a day. Yeah. yeah. A week, maybe. Yeah. For sure. When I don't a room like this, people have probably had news that's like hits you like that before in your life. Maybe you haven't, but you like need time to process it. Cause when you get told like that, you're like, well, what? Like for real, you know? And, um, and so it took us a little bit to process it and figuring out at 22, like what? what do I do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like what's, what's the process like? So now the next like year or two of our life was a bunch of hospital visits, um, planning surgery. Um, my parents are in Kentucky. Bethany's parents are in Colorado. Um, so it's like just us and the community we have here, which was amazing. Yeah. Um, I don't think we could have got through the past three years of our lives without this community here and some friends that rallied around us and um, just helped us get through a bunch of stuff. And um, when you go through seasons like that, of just like, like you're just walking through fire. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on. And it feels like God's not here for sure. You know, um, the, the crazy thing about those seasons is that um, sometimes the flames are just so high that you don't see Jesus right next to you every step of the way. But everyone on the outside looking in can actually see that, oh, this is God's grace that's bringing them through. Yeah. And and you may not feel like he's close or near, um, but you're, you're noticing the benefits of him right next to you, even though you can't see him. Like, he's gracing you for that season of trial. He's gracing you for that season of fire to walk through it. And on the other side of it, um, like the, like Scripture, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they walked through fire, and on the other side of it, they came out. Jesus was next to them the whole time, and uh, they didn't even smell like smoke. Like, that, they had no, like, no residue of what they had just walked through, and that's what we're still believing for. Yeah for this season of our lives. Like, we're not on the other side totally yeah, yet. Yeah, Bethany yeah. still has symptoms that that she's working through. and um, 
but we're believing that God's graced us for this, you know? And on the other side of it, like, we're not going to even smell like smoke, you know? The, the emotional baggage or the, the PTSD that we got to go through to get on the other side, um, that's what we're believing for, like, in the here and now. Um, but Bethany ended up getting surgery um, on September 20th, 2017. Two years ago. And so um, got surgery. The tumor was completely removed, like no complications. No cancer. No cancer. Um, it was all gone. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And, uh, but she still, there was still symptoms that weren't related to the tumor at all that um, B was having and still has sometimes. Um, and so the past three years of our lives honestly has been um doctor's visits and god's grace you know like just sustaining us and god's grace looks a lot like community it looks a lot like your friends coming around you um and uh, i remember calling um clinton and ryan and their worship pastors at the church and we were having um uh, River Valley Conference, so it was like all hands on deck, everyone was at conference, and Bethany was in the hospital, so I was at the hospital with her, and it was like, well, like she was in the hospital for like two weeks at this time, having seizures, like every 30 minutes, they would last for like five to ten minutes, like from the time she woke up to the time she went to bed, and I was like, uh, I need you guys, like Ryan, Ryan Clinton, I need you guys here right now, because I can't, I don't know what to do, like, um, and and um, I say that just to say, like, don't be afraid to lean on your people because that's what they're there for. You know, they're there to pick up what you can't pick up on your own. Um, and they dropped everything. I think they were actually speaking at a session <laughs> and they were like, oh, yeah, sorry, we can't like our our guys and his wife's in the hospital. We got to go. And they came in and prayed and brought peace into the room. Um, and um, yeah. I'll just say, like, in, in seasons like that, like, it's like it feels like your life is in a war zone. We just, like, covered, I covered our whole house in Scripture. Like, um, like Isaiah 43, like, when you walk through the waters, you won't be overcome. Like, you won't be overcome by the rivers. When you walk through fire, you'll not be burned. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. You know, that's, like, when you're walking through something, um, the battle is no longer like a physical thing, but it's it's a mental game. It's a mental battle, and um, and when when you're mentally weakened and beaten down, um, like you're no good anymore to to the fight that's physical, you know. Um, and so it was that mental battle that I was battling specifically for my wife, and um, believing that. God was with us, you know, yeah. and he was for That's sure, so good. you know. Do you want to share something? Yeah. Want to read something? Go for it. Sorry, I know we're like running out of time. No, you're good. Okay. So, one of the things, so brain tumor, yeah. One of the things that I still deal with is called conversion disorder. Summary is basically when um something mental, emotional, um like internal um doesn't know how to convert and it converts to something physical. So it's crazy. Um, so, for example, like um, if I'm a lot of, in a lot of um, pain or if I'm really stressed out or something like that, it converts to me having a seizure. 
super interesting. You can Google it. You can learn so much about me. Oh my goodness. Um, so, and it's, and it's crazy because it makes me feel really mental or whatever, but it's just a thing. Okay. So, um, for example, um, like I haven't been to a concert in the longest time because like um, flashing lights make me have seizures. So like live recording night at the very end sounds like grace. I would just have to like close my eyes and like hide my face because that would make me go off. Um, I deal with um, anxiety and depression. Um, my whole family has nice little slew of mental um, illness and I am on medication for that. Um, but mine just happens to be very colorful and have a lot of physical symptoms. So um, some of my symptoms also um, are kind of MS. They kind of look like MS, um, fibromyalgia, things like that. So I did something called PRC. That's at Mayo Clinic, and it's called Pain Rehabilitation Clinic. And it was at a month for a month long. And um, when I was there, I journal a lot. And I wrote this, and it made me think about what we're t- just talking about. So I wrote something that I learned in physical therapy today. Just because something hurts doesn't mean that it's bringing harm to you. Our body sends pain signals to protect us, but sometimes those signals can misfire or overfire due to past injury, illness, stress, or trauma. My pain signals have been on overdrive, causing life nearly, Im- causing life nearly impossible to maneuver in the stitches, tiniest of stretches, triggering aching. I have to exercise to rewire my body and brain to lean how learn how to move, live again, and think about how my heart needs to work. I think our hearts work the same exact way. Someone or something at some time hurt you. They set off the pain response. It's been firing nonstop. You can't escape the debilitating sting of it. Even the slightest touch, conversation, or disappointment can put it on overdrive. That's not wrong. You're not damaged. It's human. But I believe God can rewire us. He's made every fiber and every bit of us. We aren't defective. We are just in need of him. The great rewirer is not going to hurt. It's going to take time, but it's worth it. What a strong finish from Wes and Bethany. Absolutely amazing. Want to thank you so much for tuning in to our very first podcast here on 20 Plus. Uh, We'll be having more content coming soon. Our next culture combo will be about questions, questions for God. Super excited to share that with you all. But as a reminder, you can stay in touch with us on Instagram at 20plusmn or head to our YouTube channel as well. Or more info about our church and our ministry, you can head to rivervalley.org. Super excited for this podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you back next time. Hope you have an amazing week.